So we're talking about the better year, a better you. The better year, better you. And I, I kind of want to change this to a better decade, a better you, a better decade. But we're going to go through revised thinking today, revised actions next week, revised strategy the third week, and then we're going we're gonna to have our vision weekend on uh, 126. That's our vision week, 2020 vision, everything that we're going to be doing uh, in 2020 and beyond. But we're going to look back. We're going to recap 2019. And so it's important for us to revise anything and to do things differently. You've got to look back and then look forward. And I'll, I'll explain that uh, in, a, in a minute. But we've got to get to this place of revision and revising. Revising means to re-examine and make alterations too. So I've got to re-examine if I'm going to revise my thinking, I need to re-examine my thinking and make alterations to my thinking. And you aren't just who you are, you can make revisions to your thinking, okay? So let me just pray real quick, and then we can revise our thinking. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to help us to become more aware of your presence in this place today. Let it be your words that just penetrate our hearts, and anything that doesn't come from you or belong to you, let it just be pushed aside, Holy Spirit. Just more of you, more of your presence, more of your will. Help us to just focus on what it is you're doing in this room right now and loose the distractions that are going on in our minds to keep us from fully receiving you in this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, who remembers? So I talked about it's time to start thinking in decades and start looking in decades. You know, we, when you look back... You, you look back in decades. You may think there's a lot of moments that took place, but in, in like Scripture, Acts 25, I'm sorry, Acts took, care, took place over about 25 to 30 years. And we look at it, and we're like, man, that was a powerful week, all of Acts. <laughs> it just didn't happen. But in our minds, cognitively, we really think that when we're reading it, especially in our first several times, without finding historical context to it. And that's exactly how sometimes we feel like our lives are, because you may be 60 and you think, Where did, when did I turn 60? I feel like I'm 40 still. So your decades have been really condensed and they've been sandwiched into a very short period of time. And what you remember are highlights and sometimes they're really low lights. They're, they're difficult times and, 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 and great times. But those are your high points and you really forget everything else in between that was going on. And so what if we were to do that, but we looked forward and we would begin to think, you know, I can think about decades that took place and what happened and how I felt and what I've taken out of those as life lessons and how I live out of that. But what if I started to look, re-examine that and take it into the future, the next decade, the 20s, and I began to be, get prepared and plan for things that I truly would love to see happen. And I would love it to know if that's God's will for my life. What if we re-examined and revised so that we could truly see what God wants for our life. And when you look back, there's maybe some maybe there's some cultural highlights. Who remembers in television? You got it in television? I grew up with it in television. It came out in 1979. I was born in 1978. It was like the one of the first video gaming systems. And there was Atari. Who remembers Nintendo? I remember, come on, come on, keep your hands, I want to see it, I want to see it. All right, I need to talk, know where my people are, because I remember 1985, Nintendo coming out. I didn't have one. My friend across the street, Sean Blake, I live at 206 Flinnegan Street in Sabine, Texas, Sabine, Texas, 
And I remember Sean Blake had one. I went over to his house. He used to play over there every day. In his garage, his parents, his parents were, were much older. They had him late in life. And so I think they, they remodeled their garage to get rid of him. And they just let him play. <laughs> they let him play in the garage. And they had a big screen over there and playing Mario Brothers. Like, this is the best thing in the world. And I went home. I remember going home and telling my dad about this amazing thing that's taking place. And he even came over to Sean Blake's house to look at it, to watch it. We played Mario Brothers today. I mean, that day. And, we, you know, you would, we would spend hours on this, uh, trying to beat King Koopa. Who, rem- who remembers King Koopa? All right. Then we had The Legend of Zelda. Like, The Legend of Zelda. And then you could get the Nintendo books, the Nintendo magazines. And that way you could find out the cheat codes. Every month it would come out with a Nintendo magazine. You could get those cheat codes and I, that's the first thing I would flip to. Let me get my, my monthly Nintendo game, gamer game, and find the cheat codes for Zelda because I wanted to know where that bush was that held the, cert, the certain weapon that I needed so I could beat the dragon. And so you have Zelda. And then there was, uh, it's, who remembers Contra? Anybody remember Contra? All right, who remembers the passcode for Ultimate Life? It's like, you, you, in, you, you cannot die, Ultimate uh, uh, Endless Life. Do you, does anybody remember that? Am I the only one up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, star? Come on. <laughs> that was 30 years ago, and I still, it's, it's still right here. I could play that game, pick it up, and I, I'm, I've got endless life. I'm, I'm going. You know what? They, they do that so kids will be addicted, and they'll play forever, and that's exactly what I did. If I'm never going to die and it ends, I can continue going. So how about Tech Mobile? You had like eight teams of Tech Mobile of the 28 teams at the time of NFL teams. Then Super Tech Mobile came out. Man, my, bro- my stepbrother and I, we would take, spend hours and days. Our whole week in school was just thinking about what team we were going to be so that we could beat each other in a tournament coming up on that weekend. I don't know what we learned in school, but I can tell you everything about Super Tech Mobile through the late 80s and, early, and, and through the 90s. Uh, that was... That was, that was everything. Then John Madden and all that stuff. It got a, little, a lot more technical. But those are decades. Those are decade things. That we, markers for decades that you remember. And then maybe you, you had some other experiences. Maybe there was family that experienced divorce or maybe the loss of a child or, or breaking, breaking, loss of job or a career moment or there was a huge career shift or some kind of life shift. You remember that decade because of those things. And so what if we could say... And remember all that, take the wisdom and the advice from that and speak into our own lives and then look forward and say, you know what, I'm going to plan and prepare and I'm going to take things, be a little bit more persistent in other areas of life. She didn't like that. Areas of life so that my 20s, this next decade, because we're not moving into a new year, we're actually moving into a new decade. The 20s, it's a whole nother world. It's a whole nother world. We've been looking forward to 2020 for a long time. Most of us thought Jesus was going to come before it even happened. And you think 1999, who remembers where they were? 1999, New Year's. We knew the world was going to end. Computers can't turn from 1999 to 2000. We were going to go off grid. Everybody bought a generator, started prepping. That's when preppers really started to emerge. And, and nothing happened. I won't even tell you what I was doing on 1999 New Year's Eve. You don't need to know. It was, <laughs> the world's going to end tomorrow anyway, so what's the difference? Do what I want to do. Well, <laughs> the reality is we live in the past while we move forward, while we move into the future. We all live in the past no matter how much we don't want to because we're constantly taking into the future the things that have happened to us, we've done whatever our experiences are, 
in the past. But we're going to move differently because we're devout. We're going to be devoted. Not only so, we're going to be more gratitude. We have more gratitude. All those painful memories, those happenings, those experiences. There is great wisdom that came out of those, but you'll never pull that wisdom out until you have gratitude for those experiences. Maybe they happen to you. Maybe they happen for you. Maybe they happen from you. Maybe whatever the case, there's great wisdom inside of those things to extract so that we can use those going into the future. But we just have to be more grateful for what God was doing, not necessarily for the situation, but what God is doing. God is always working behind the scenes it comes just like being, believing that you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It comes to us trusting God in his moment that no matter what my happenings, my surroundings look like, I'm going to trust God and be steadfast through this situation because I'm going to watch him work out the junk that's in my life on the way to, to success, on the way to his will, his perfect will. I'm going to use John 15 to bring this home a little bit. I hope I give you new insight to John 15 and what it means to stay connected to the vine. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking, not me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, Father God. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, well, the Father takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, well, the Father, he's going to prune it, that it may bear more fruit. Well, see, pruning actually gets our attention it causes us to examine ourselves, but then it causes us to change our behavior. Many of us, it just gets our attention, and then maybe we examine external things, and we never change our behavior, and so pruning's work is really never done, and that's when that, that branch starts to wither, and it becomes one of those dry branches that God ends up removing, because we focus on the hurt in the pruning rather than the benefits of the pruning and the season of the pruning. So I'm going to break that down a little bit. Uh, more growth actually comes in the valleys of life than they do on the mountaintops. Because when the mountaintops are good, everybody's good, no problem. It, but when the valleys happen, all of a sudden we become more vulnerable. Now we're more, well, more willing to listen and be open to what others and God has to say so that we can retune, refine, and revise our thinking or our lives so that we can move out of the valleys and get back to that mountaintop that we love so much. So I, I want to teach you how to, how to live valley moments while staying on the mountaintop all the time. And that's going to take preparation, it's going to take being persistent, but it's also going to take a lot of intentionality in the 2020s decade. So then it says, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's like, listen, you're good. You're already good because of the word I have spoken to you. You're clean. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying, listen, I'm already telling you you're clean, you're good because of the word I've given you. So oftentimes, though, we end up abiding in our distractions. We end up abiding in our distractions. What keep us, keeps us from dealing with our emotions, keeps us from dealing with the things that are going on inside, our reactions to the experiences that we've had in the past decade. So the distraction, playing Nintendo, playing, trying to beat King Koopa for 24 hours is a distraction from, keep from me hearing and dealing with what's really going on inside. Me staying on Facebook or social media whenever times get tough 
keeps me from really dealing with the emotions and the things that are going on inside that God wants to bring my attention to so that he can bring healing to. Staying at work all the time and being a workaholic is a distraction that keeps me from really abiding in Christ and allowing God to work on the emotions and the things that are going on inside that keep me connected to the past and keep me from moving forward with revised thinking. However, when we abide in Christ, it causes me to confront my emotions. It causes us to confront our reaction or our response to the experiences of life current and life past so I can properly process them, bring the wisdom out of them, be, have gratitude towards God, thanking Him in advance that He is going to get me through this thing, thanking, me, thanking God in advance or in, for right now for the things that He did in the past because if I'm living, I still got a chance. If, if, I'm, if you're living, you still, I should hear a lot of amens right now. If you're living, you still got a chance. So what I need to do is learn how to be, have gratitude so I can thank God for what he's already brought me out of because I'm still living and I'm still here. Therefore, I must have opportunity to move forward and do some things differently. I can't sit around thinking, well, life has happened to me. I am happening to me and I've got to decide what I'm going to make happen in the future under the will of God. So I've got to have some decisions. Well, Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as he thinks, as a man thinks, in his heart, so is he. So you're sitting here probably thinking and examining yourself who you are. Well, that's because those are accumulations of your thoughts. Well, if I want to change who I am, then I might need to change my thinking. I might need to revise my thinking a little bit. You can, you can change the way you feel by changing the way you think. You don't have to think about everything you feel, but I promise you, you will feel everything that you think. Anybody ever been, been to surgery or been in a painful moment, dropped something heavy on your foot and you were stuck under it? Yes. It, it, child labor. It, it, you start thinking about that child labor or getting a tattoo and you got a needle just driving down in your arm, whatever it is, that painful experience, you, you start thinking about that, guess what? You're going to manifest more pain in your mind, and it's going to become even worse in your heart. But you put yourself on a beach sipping a virgin daiquiri, then you're going to be really good. <laughs> you're going to be really good with that little umbrella, you know what I mean, that little straw. Because you're, rela- you're a little bit more relaxed. You're, you're thinking about those waves crashing on the, on, on the sand while you're either giving birth or you're getting that tattoo or that you shouldn't have got that says regrets rather than no regrets. And, or or that, that thing that's stuck on your foot. Whatever it is, you will feel everything that you think. And the more you think about your negative experiences in the past and you're trying to move into the future, you're going to feel the future looks just like the past and maybe even your present looks like the past and it looks nothing alike. But in your mind, you are the very person who experienced and is trying to deal with those things still 10, 20, 30 years ago. Now you don't know why you're 60, feel like you're still 40. Well, for the last 20 years, you've been battling stuff that happened in your 40s. I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> so, so, so many of our struggles, they actually come from our feelings. And, it, and it's, it's surprising how much of our uh, reins we actually have on our emotions. We actually have the reins on our emotions, but we let things into our minds, and then they begin to affect our emotions even more so. But we have the reins. Like riding a horse, we have the reins. We can control it and guide it however we choose, but we have to choose. The thing about choosing is, and even not choosing, is choosing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're allowing life to choose for you. So 
I'm going to give you this little statement right here. How you fight your inner war determines how you fight your external battles. Because the very same way you deal with that stuff on the inside, it's going to come out. Your whole world that you, that you experience right now and the things that you're complaining about is the stuff that's left undealt with inside of you because you stay on distractions and you don't allow the emotions that God's wanting to heal and develop and strengthen so that you can become a healthy and whole person you're not allowing that time and not surrendering those things to him so that he can make you who he's created and called you to be. The word which he cleansed you with that he has already given you, as he said in verse three, verse three, you're not allowed. We don't allow those things because we'd rather stay distracted because that pain, it gets really painful when we start to do that. So when God starts to work on us in our devotion time, let me go ahead and pay, let me go ahead and post something on Instagram so I can avoid this this revelation that God is doing to waken my heart and heal my soul and cleanse me up. I'm going to go to Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, something right now because I need to avoid that. I need to numb myself away from that experience because it's going to remind me of the past and something that he still wants to deal with. No, sir, no, ma'am. And what I do is I stay in that past situation and I live that out, a wasted life, wondering why is all life always happened to me. Life doesn't. We happen to us. And we continually make ourselves, our, our experiences happen to ourselves over and over. You ever heard of patterns or cycles? Uh, by the way, if you're ever looking who you're going to marry, if you're not married, uh, don't look at people's potential. Look at their patterns. <laughs> yeah, man, they got a lot of potential, a lot of potential, but their pattern is just jacked up. Why do they keep doing this thing over and over and over again? Will they work out of that thing, or are they going to bring me into that pattern even though I see their potential? That's huge. So uh, this right here, this how, do you, how you fight your inner, inner war determines how you fight your external battles. Is like this too. You ever been in a difficult situation or confrontation, and it's a you have to have this. You have to have this confrontation, or life's just going to be bad, and this relationship's going to be even worse. Now you come in with truth and facts, and you're completely relational, trying to deal with these issues. But this person who is battling, all of a sudden they're battling against you. They are fighting a battle out of context with a completely different dynamic, a completely different paradigm, and they're talking about issues that don't even exist in your situation. What you're finding is that person is wrestling with their past experiences that reminded them that this present experience is reminding them of. They're not yet healed and whole from this experience. They're still, they have been wrestling with this experience in their souls for years or decades, and now they're bringing it into this current situation. They're thinking you're attacking them when you're just trying to have a healthy confrontation to straighten out the relational issues so that you can move forward together, but they're still dealing with this stuff in the past and now they think you're the enemy and they're the victim because they've lived as a victim for decades. Make any sense? This happens all the time, and guess what? We do this very same thing when it comes to the heart of God. Because God's Word is a plumb line. And He, he is just standing here still loving us, saying, here's, what the, here's how you handle this, here's what you do, here's what my word says, have you gotten in my word? Have you read Philippians 4.13 yet, son? Here's exactly what it says. You're over there throwing this fit according to your external situation. You're here battling this battle, and you think it's against me, and you're blaming me, but I've got a plumb line, and it's really straight. If you just come over here and agree with me in that area of your life, I'll not only will I bring you healing, but I'll also bring you benefits and, and provision and, and success as well. 
No, no, I'm going to fight this battle that I've still got going on in my heart over here. That's exactly what we do with God in the same way that others do when they're still dealing with their, extern- their, their experiences and their pains from the past. I'm going to give you some, some uh, differences in this dead branch thinking. That's the one that God takes away and he just gets rid of. And then fruit-bearing branch thinking. Because we want to be fruit-bearing. We want to be the ones who he prunes. Who wants to get pruned? I want to get pruned. And dead branch thinking is this. They're entitled and fearful. Fruit-bearing are this. They're thankful and confident, not in self, but in God. Dead branch, believe there will never be enough. Fruit-bearing, believe there is always more where that came from. Dead branch are stingy with their knowledge, resources, and compassion. Uh, <clears throat> Fruit-bearing are happy to share their knowledge, resources, and compassion with others. Dead branch, assume they are all what they're, that's just the way I am. It is what it is. They are the way they are. The fruit bearing, they assume they can learn, grow, and develop. Dead branch, default to suspicion and aloofness when something happens. Fruit bearing, default to trust and openness. Dead branch, resent challenge, believes it makes life too hard. Fruit bearing, welcome a challenge and believe it makes them better and their opportunities greater. Dead branch, are pessimistic about the future, believing that tough times are ahead. Fruit-bearing are optimistic about the future, believing the best is yet to come. Dead branch, think small and avoid risk. Fruit-bearing, think big. I'm running one off. Think big and embrace risk. Dead branch, think others will never accept them. Nobody will ever accept me. Fruit-bearing are confident in their identity no matter what others think or say. You might have four out of five. And you may think, well, I need to do some revised thinking in a few of these areas because that might be why I got some dead branch stuff going on and I don't flourish in these areas. I might need to change, revise my thinking, and and I might need to re-examine why is it that I even think that way. Let Let me ponder this a little bit and let me talk with the Lord about this so I can move over into this other category so I can be a little bit more fruit bearing. Because I'm, I'm in the 20s, I really want to be fruit-bearing. I want to spend this decade being a fruit-bearing branch that God prunes continually, and I embrace the pruning so that I can continually grow and bear fruit for His purposes, His kingdom, and not to mention my own life. The challenging reality, though, for both of these is they both suffer pain. So you're not alone. You may be focusing more on your pain than you are the benefits of the fruit, the, the pruning, though. And that's where we get lost and get off track and get off course because we thought, oh, woe is me. Oh, oh, bless me. My pain. I have pain in my life. The difference in these two is not, not the type of pain they experience. The difference in these two are the prior prep, prep, preparation and their perception to the experience. It's how I go into knowing, yes, there may be difficult times, but these difficult times are going to grow me, develop me, strengthen me, and give me wisdom for times to come because that's part of pruning and adding growth so that I can bear more fruit because I don't have the wisdom that I need. I don't have all the experience that I need. I don't have everything, whatever it is that I need, so I got to go get it, and that might take a little pruning. The others think, well, I was, doing, I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing, and I just got cut off, and I got branched off. I got, I got pulled away. Well, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe God did that to me. I can't, I'm, just, I'm mad at God. Man, beating yourself up against, your head up against a wall, just like this, over and over and over. 
at some point, you've got to say, well, what a blessing this is. What a blessing it is to go into this valley moment so I can grow and experience everything that God wants me, to, wants me to grow so that I can be pruned and I can walk in the fullness of what God has called and created me to be so that I can fully walk out his perfect will for my life. It's the dynamic, it's the paradigm, it's what you go into it with and it's what you go through it with. And you know what the beauty is? We get to decide how long we stay in the valley. The valley is up to no one else. The valley is up to our humility and how much we're going to trust God through it and how much we're going to subject our will to his will and allow his will to work through us. Number one, I'm going to give you some points about how to overcome these. And number one is, you got, first, you've got to recognize the power of your belief. Uh, negative thoughts can't lead to a positive life. Negative thoughts rule our lives. Where the head is, the body must go. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, man, I want to have a bad day today. I just want to think negative thoughts all day long. I just want to see how, how productive I can be in negativity and where this takes me. No, no, you have to intentionally focus on something positive, focus on the Word of God, focus on not listening to those. I remember for years... As soon as I would wake up, I had so much anxiety about my life, I would almost break into a sweat as soon as I would, for years, because negative thoughts would just hit me as soon as I would wake up. If they didn't keep me up all night, they would hit me as soon as I woke up, and I would think about everything that I had done in the past, the people I had done those to, my experiences, the things I chose to do. At some point, I would try to find some kind of victimization in there so that I wouldn't have to blame myself for everything, even though I probably was, but my choices is what led me there. At some point, I, w- I would worry about all the things I need to do, all the things I'm not doing, all the things I should be doing, all the things I believe I could do, but I can't do because of my current Negativity just driving me down into the ground. And I, w- I was even trying to change my life. I was trying. I was going to church. I had, I had gotten saved. But it really wasn't until I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I started to be strengthened to do differently. Now... What I had to do, what I had to choose to do, is I started a gratitude journal. My wife found that gratitude journal years ago, years ago and she was, she was upset with me because I was thankful. About, I had a girlfriend. I'm thankful for so-and-so. And ah, I can't believe it. I can't believe you wrote in your journal. Like, like that was seven years ago, girl. I was thankful about everything. I had to be thankful for the pain, thankful for the things that I went through, thankful for the shortcomings I had, thankful that God brought me through my situation because of my choice, thankful, and everything that came to mind, and I just let the Holy Spirit lead me, every thought that came to my mind, I thank the Lord for it, whether it was good or bad, large or small, I began to write pages, pages, pages. I would go to bed writing my, in my thankful, my gratitude journal. I would wake up when the moment that those anxieties and those worries would hit me, I would start thanking God for every one of those things that he allows me to feel those things, thankful for the wisdom that I learned out of those things. For I would, that's it, just thank you, thank you, thank you for this, thank you for this. And I processed all of that stuff unto him by just being thankful. Well, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. Notice he says, set your mind on things above. 
not on things of earth. I remember having to fight to push my mental thinking and my, my thought process above my junk, above those anxieties, above those worries, above those problems that were causing me to sweat immediately when I would wait. I would have to push, push because my mind wants to come back down, or maybe it's Satan, maybe it's me, wants to come back down to earthly things, my earthly problems, the things I had done, the things that were on my mind, the things that were on, pull me down. I had to fight. Fight, fight. No, this stuff isn't in the heavenly places. This stuff that I'm thinking about, it's not, it's not in the places above. I had to push myself, convince myself to stop thinking about the things that were right here on earth. And gratitude is one of the things that helped get me there. But I had to fight for it. It didn't just come easy. I had to be persistent to fight above the earthly things that I was so worried about, held down by, so that I could actually move forward. It was actually there in that baptism of the Holy Spirit that he empowered me to see things that were above, to begin to experience things that were in heavenly places, to begin to see life not from my experience and my world, but to begin to see it from what God is saying, because if he's already said I'm clean, why am I acting like I'm filthy? John 15, 3, we read it earlier, and then I read passages like Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, with all your mind. So I began to intentionally take every thought, every response, every one of my previous responses, because we know whenever something happens, all of a sudden we act like this. And you know what that is. When this happens, I do this. When they, so-and-so does this, I do this. When this experience happens about this situation, I do this. So what I had to do, I realized I can't trust me. I couldn't because my, re my responses and my reactions were trained from things in the past and therefore I would act like what I saw or I taught myself to do or whatever culture told me to do, whatever my surroundings would do or whatever the, the, the rap music I was listening to would do or the country music I was listening to do or the 70s rock music would listen to me to do. only thing I could listen to was Johnny B. Good. No, that, just, <laughs> that's it. But I, I couldn't trust myself, and so what I chose to do was I'm going to be intentional on not responding the way I want to react. So I had to take everything captive. I had to, nope, I'm not going to do that. Let me be a little bit more intentional on how I'm going to actually respond to this situation. What did I do? I gave myself margin, and God can work in the margins. Remember we talked about Sabbath? The first day I planned for my week is a Sabbath day of rest. I'm talking about margin. And so I began to train my impulses, and I was very impulsive, very emotional, very impatient, very whatever, spoiled. I was everything that caused me to be reactive, and I had to give myself margin so I wouldn't react in the way I used to act. I had to retrain myself. I, I, the, the, <clears throat> this whole thing of positive thinking, it's not a replacement for God, but there's got to be some kind of positive thinking that is a response to God. We've got to learn from, okay, if I'm going to do this from God, and if I'm going to be seated in heavenly places, and if I'm going to set, because it's a command, it's a demand, it's something I am told to do, if I'm going to set my mind on things above, well, I can't be acting like that. So I've got to create margins so I can set my mind on things above, so I can even see what's going on in things above before I bring it down to earth, and then I react, I respond out of that. So my response 
My reaction is not based on my, my culture anymore, what I've been trained to do, what I've trained myself to do, what I've watched my parents model, whatever my grandparents model, my friends model, whatever it is that I'm choosing to make my decisions out of. Now I've got to go to heavenly places, see what's going on in heavenly places about this situation, bring it back down to earth, and then I make my decision. If we're going to be kingdom, we've got to do that. But there's three enemies we have, and one is the devil, one is the world, and one's ourselves, and we're going to focus on ourselves in a, in a healthy way this next few weeks. Because the greatest, greatest struggle is not outside of you. The greatest struggle is actually within you. Because we all have a tendency towards self-sabotage. I can't control the world. I can't control the devil. But I should be able to control me. And if I can't control me, then I got, some, I got some margin I need to create so I can get some emotional healing because it's in my emotions, it's in your emotions that you're uncontrolled. It's in your emotions that you're out of control. It's in your soul that you are just off the chain. And it's in your soul that you've got to create some margin so you can go to heavenly places, see what's going on in heavenly places, bring it back down here, and then input it into earth. There's three areas, though, that we have limiting beliefs. Three areas of limiting beliefs. Since one is about the world, second one's about others, and then we have limiting beliefs about ourselves as well. So the types of limiting beliefs we have are black and white thinking. It's either this or it's that. And my, my world hits the fan if it's not this or that. Well, maybe there's a third, fourth, and a fifth option that it could be. We, we think that life is all about a toggle switch. It's either up and down, on or off. No, it's more like a sliding scale. Well, it's not this, it's not this, not this, and this. Maybe it's this, this, or this. Maybe it's option three, four, and five. But we get lost when we think it's just black or white. It's just this or that. We're stuck. We're in bondage is what it's called. Then there's personalizing. We blame ourselves for everything that goes wrong. See, I told you it wasn't going to work out. See, I told you if I did this, something would happen. I See, I told you. See, personalizing or catastrophizing. When we, we assume the worst, even when that, with there's little evidence. I don't, I'm telling you, this ain't going to work out. It's going to be terrible. We don't do it. it don't, don't, we shouldn't even do it. Don't, even, don't try to make, take any risks. Don't, don't you dare try to do that. If you do it, it's going to be, all hell's going to break loose. So I'm just going to stay in my little bubble where it's, perfect, per, per, it's protected and I have control over all this stuff. Then there's universalizing. Universalizing is when we take a bad experience and then we apply it to everything else. We just think this is going to be my experience in every situation across the board. And that's exactly why we have whole ministry right there. Boy, that's a, that's a huge one. We all universalize. Every one of us. We'll talk about it in, in mid-February. Mid I encourage you to go to Two Whole, uh, register online but uh, then there we go we got a we got a number two is we got to confront our limit your limiting beliefs there's a that we have to recognize the power of your, of your beliefs then we have to confront those limiting beliefs john 15 5 and 6 says this i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit for without you you can do nothing without me rather you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Let me tell you what a limiting belief is. is a misunderstanding of the present that shortchanges our future. It is a misunderstanding that I make a truth in my life of the present that I begin to take into the future, and it causes shortcomings that I live out, and I complain about why things happen to me. I'll give you some examples. Uh, I don't have enough experience. I don't have the right experience. Uh, I always quit. I'm not creative. Uh, I always fail eventually. 
I'm not very good with money. I don't, I don't know how to use technology. I'm not disciplined. Those are limiting beliefs that we declare over ourselves, we accept as truth, and therefore they keep us from walking in the fullness that God has called and created us to. But we're, the, we're connected to the vine. How can I have that limiting belief and still be connected to the vine who is abundant and full of growth? I don't understand. So there must be something that needs to change. Because what you look for, you will find. Have you ever, it's called selective attention, have you ever gone to look for a vehicle and you're like, man, I've never seen one of those cars before. I think I'm going to be the only, I'm going to get one of those so I can be the only one to drive that car. Then you start, you buy that car and you start noticing that car everywhere because you have focused your attention on that car and now you realize, I'm not the only person. When I bought this car, everybody else started buying this car after me. No, it's always been there. You just started paying attention to it. Well, we do the same thing when we're catastrophizing or black and white or universalizing or, or whatever it is. We start saying, well, that negative thing is going to happen. If I do this and this stuff's going to happen and it's not going to work out, and, and I tell you what, so relationships are terrible. I'm just going to stay single for the rest of my life, and I'm just going to pull away. Well, guess what you're going to see? You start seeing negativity. Anything that starts to happen starts to look like the experiences you've been declaring or you've been focusing your attention on, and you start producing more negative experiences and negative experiences and negative experiences. And your mind starts to say, well, see, I told you, it's confirmation. That's just confirmation that I was right. And the problem is you just became more aware of the negative. And all the while, God is providing the positive and the abundant thinking on the other side, the awareness of things that he's doing. But because you're so focused on the negative things of life, you miss out on what God is doing in the middle of the situation because you won't find his healing from your experience because now your truth is now the pain from the experience or the pain from the pruning. You're focusing on the hurting rather than the pruning and you can't grow. And God's sitting show you confirmation after confirmation after confirmation confirmation of what he wants to do in your life but you aren't focused on that so we're continually missing exactly the path that God has called you for ah abundant fruit (laughs) thank you abundant fruit bearing thinkers they dismiss the negative and focus on the positive or the beneficial of what God is doing in your situation and then you trust God will always, he will develop and raise you up in his time. Abundant things, I'm just okay with this. I'm okay because God is doing something in the middle of my situation right now. I just got to wait on him and see it. Yeah. Philippians 4.8 says this in the, TP, in, the, in the Passion Translation, So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. I'm going to keep my mind set on things above. Oh yeah, all hell's going loose, breaking loose. My kids are, are, are gone. They're not coming home. My marriage is in shambles. Am I going to focus on the neg- negativity in the marriage? No, I'm going to focus on what God is doing, what He's saying about me, what He's saying about my relationships, what He's saying about my kids, what He's saying about my family, what He's saying about my job, what He's saying about what my situation looks like in heavenly places according to the Word of God, and I'm going to wait for Him to do the work, and I don't have to force it. All I got to do is believe it and let him decide the outcome. I don't have control over others. I do have control over me. Number three, you got to upgrade your beliefs. John 15, 7 and 8 says, If you abide in me, there's a clause there, if, if you abide in me, 
and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. Who doesn't want that? And it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Your fruit bearing glorifies the Father. So you will be my disciples. Remember, you've got to remember the benefits of the pruning. It's impossible to worship and worry at the same time. It's, it's impossible to pout and pray. It's impossible to grumble and be grateful. It's impossible to be encouraged and complain at the same time. It's impossible. You can't be accidentally negative when you're being intentionally positive. You just can't. Because you're so focused on what God is doing, the positive things, the blessings, the gratitude of the situation, no matter how painful or hurt, no matter what that situation looks like, how empty it is, you're focused on the gratitude and what you're gaining through that situation because you know it's going to bear good fruit in the next season. You are intentionally revising your thinking. How long is it going to take? I don't know. How long have you been giving Satan? How long have you been giving yourself a playground to live out of your experiences from three decades past? The amazing thing about God is his stuff works a lot faster. It may take, a, it may take five years. Because the law of sowing and reaping is never going to stop. So what you sowed years ago or decades ago, you're reaping right now. So you gotta, you got to live off some junk in the past while you're still trying to thrive off some things for the future. You're trying to eat some stuff, some fertilizer to get, that, to get some good fruit going, to bear good fruit into the future. But you've got to live off that dead branch for a while. i got to reap that junk I, be, I sowed decades ago, but I'm coming out of it because i got to start sowing some stuff for the future. And I've got to wait and trust God in the midst of it. Guess what's going to happen in the gap? God's going to make you look a lot more like his word. God's going to conform you a lot more to his image because you are fighting for it. You're intentionally going there and you're working out that junk and you're saying this can't stay if I'm going to go there in the 20s. I've got to look a little bit differently. That means I've got to do some work with the word of God. Second Corinthians says this. First, we, well, first of all, we need to stop believing limiting thoughts and start revising those thoughts to reflect Christ. Second Corinthians 10, 3, 5 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of warfare, our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Get this one, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalt, exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Your experience will argue against the word of God, and you, if you listen to that, you will convince yourself to be right. That's why God's word, God's word don't work. That stuff ain't true. It don't, it don't apply. But he says this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I got to take that junk and bring it to the obedience of Christ. I got to take it captive. I got to live in some high places. I got to get in a stronghold on this thing because it's had a stronghold on me. I can't, I can't go there and stay back there. I'm going to tell you how to become fruit bearing in 2020. I've got six steps, super simple. We're about to go into a 21-day fast. I, I encourage you to start journaling, write these things down, take a picture of what, I'm about, what we're showing you, and, and just start applying them each day or each week, whatever it looks like. But first, you've got to recognize, you've got to recognize your limiting beliefs. 
I'm too fat, I'm too ugly, I'm too slow, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too, whatever, it's a limited, I don't have enough money. God has already resourced you with everything you need for this season, and if you'll just put to work the vision that he has for you, I promise you he will resource it for the future, but you can't live in right now and live in the future at the same time. You've got to see in the future and bring it back into right now. No, here's what God is wanting to do with me. Here's the vision that God has on my life. Here's what he wants to do. And then you've got to do some work. He's not going to fund you sitting on your, on your couch. He don't fund laziness. So it ain't about the resources. You've got to recognize your limiting belief. Then you've got to record, record it, write it down, write down this belief. I, I, I never can get away from my house because there's too many duties to do. Lie. Get some stuff done and get out of your house. Uh, review, then review it. Does this belief empower me? Does it, is it really helping me reach my goals? Is me thinking I'm too ugly going to help me get married? No, it's not going to help me. It, it just don't work. So I got to do some things differently. Re- number four, reject. I, actually, I, I would say in three, under three, rest. Rest a little bit. You just need to get quiet. Take about five, ten minutes to just be quiet. This is something that's very painful because people don't want to be quiet. They don't want to hear what's going on in their soul. That's why we have so many distractions. That's why we have noise playing in the background. That's why we have TVs going so we can go to sleep. Whatever it is, that's why we have stuff going because when, we, when it gets quiet, it gets loud. My soul starts to yell. All the stuff that's in, inside of me starts to yell and it wants to come out, and I don't want it to come out. I got to go, go to Walmart and buy something. I need to go eat a sandwich, whatever it is. Number four is reject and reframe. Sometimes it's like Satan, like the little demons. You know what? Mm-mm, I ain't listening to you. Uh, it's like those little lies. No. Why? You start catching it from God's. Why did I ever believe that anyway? Who told me that? It's like, it's like the ham that gets cut off on the end and gets put into the crock pot. You all what you want, you come back and wonder, why do we do that, Mama? I don't know. That, that's what Grandma always did. She had a small crock pot. The ham couldn't fit in there. That's why... You do stuff, you don't even know why you're doing it. You just need to rethink about it. You need to think about it, record it, and then revise it, reframe it. Sometimes you have to reframe it. Let me, take, let me take this thought that I've got. Does that even line up with the Word of God? Is what I'm making my decisions out of even line up with the Word of God? And if the answer is no, then I need to reframe it. I need to bring it back under the Word of God and compare it, and then I need to revise it. It helps. Why do we say write these things down? Why did it say journal? You find, David did it. It was good enough for David. It was good enough for Habakkuk. It was good. He says to write it down. Write down the vision. Write it down. Why? Because it helps to externalize it. It actually gets that junk out of our souls and it puts it out on paper. It puts it out. You're talking about it. But there's something that happens from the head to the hand that helps you really externalize things and just get rid of it and through a process of or processing it. Write it down. Revise it. Write down what God's Word says about your belief and then reword it. Here's some. I'm not an idiot. I'm the righteousness of Christ. How many times do you say, oh, I'm so stupid? That is a declaration that you're speaking over yourself. And many people say, I'm such an idiot. No, you're not. You're the righteousness of Christ. How can you be the righteousness of Christ and an idiot at the same time? It don't work. So quit, quit calling, saying declarations over your life. Uh, I'm not old. I have the availability and wisdom and, re- and wisdom and revelation that younger people don't have. It's reframing your thoughts. Uh, I have every resource to get started. I'm not poor. I'm not broke. I have every... Philippians 4.13, I will supply all your needs according to, your rich, to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus, or to his riches and glory, glory in Christ Jesus. I, I've got to learn, is my belief my belief, or is it God's belief, and that I'm just believing? 
Then, then we've got to reorient. I need to transform. I need to reorient my mind and commit to living as if it's true. Maybe you don't feel it. But you sure have been given that ground a lot of territory, that lot of time, and it's produced nothing but what you got and what you're complaining about. So maybe if I reorient my life to that for the 20s, this next decade, maybe I might start seeing some things differently. Maybe if I subject my thoughts, my feelings, my hurts to the Word of God for this next decade in this area where I saw that I'm dead branch living, maybe I'll start seeing some production. Maybe I just got to start walking in it because if my father says it about me, who am I to doubt what he says about me? So I need to start believing some stuff that I can't see until the day that I see it, believing that he is faithful. Faithful is he who faithful is he and he is a rewarder a rewarder of those who diligently seek him he is a reward either i believe it or i don't but my actions are going to live out what i believe so we got to revise our thinking we got to change what we believe i want to practice something with you so if you will just stand up with me just say this with me This is a declaration for the 20s, this next decade, because we're all going to live healthy and whole and strong, and we're going to see 2030 together, right? And it's going to be fruitful. So, Lord Jesus, Jesus, I am changing today today. the thoughts I'm thinking, thinking. every area of my life. life. I will believe God's truth. I will give it time. I will speak the right words, and I will believe for the right harvest, and I expect it to come. I will not be impatient, I will be faithful, and I will change my life by abiding in the heart of God. Somebody give Jesus a praise clap. I'm telling you, over the last 10 years, I've practiced these steps, and I promise you they work. You got to work it. I've got journals, this, a stack of journals this tall, and I still keep a journal. I got junk that I got to get rid of, or I'll hold on to it, and I'll take it into the future, and it just don't work in the future. I got two futures, the one I can choose or the one God's chosen for me, and I got to agree with one or the other. It's time to start writing, externalizing that stuff. We're starting a 21-day fast tonight. Get the stuff out that you want to get up. Get it out. (laughs) Drink that last beer. Uh, (laughs) Go have that last soda. Smoke that last cigarette. Whatever it is, whatever that last thing, get rid of it. Tonight we're starting a fast, and we're going to start putting these things into practice for the next 21 days. And we've given, as a Christmas gift, our GO team, each one of this, this book right here we're going to read together. We have it for sale out in the back. It's only $10. You can't find it online that cheap. But I really want to encourage each and every one of you to get this and read it with us. There's a 30-day devotional in the back. We're going to do 21 days of it together starting tomorrow. We'll get on Facebook Live, and, and we'll have a little bit of a, a devotion talking about the, the day one of devotion. But read it. Read it and apply it. Allow God to speak into your life according to the Word of God, and according to what this book is saying as well, 
and just be teachable. I wish I would have read this book 10 years ago. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. I was too hard-headed to read it back then, though. I sure will. I'm glad I read it now. I think you'll, be, you'll see transformation in your life if you'll just apply the truth that's in this book. It's, very, it's, it's so easy to learn and so easy to understand from the Word of God. Compare it to the Word of God and then compare it to you. You want to worship team? Y'all oh, come on up. So, so what we want to do is commit to God's Word. Start journaling. Take, make, make 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever you can get of just quiet time. Just be still for these next 21 days. And then listen to what starts to bubble up and what your thoughts are. Take those thoughts captive. Get that journal out and say, I'm so thankful for this. God, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for taking me through this. And thank you so much that I'm still alive through this. Thank you. You will see a different you as you thank God for those hardships, those good, the good times, the small times, and the big times. You're sowing things for the future. And you think that what you're doing is so insignificant, how could it ever matter? How could I ever matter? But I'm telling you, the very thing that you're doing right now is sowing into a greater future, and that future, that, that sowing of what you're doing, multiplied times God, is going to produce a great harvest if you'll just work it. But you've got to work it. If you'll just bow your heads, and I want to pray for you. If you need... If you need prayer for anything, our altar team is going to be up here. Our prayer team is going to be up here at the end of worship. And I want to encourage you just to start the year off right. Yes. Let pride just go. Can we just let pride go? Get, yes. We just got to get rid of pride. It, it, it hadn't taken me anywhere good. It's time to be devout. Yes. But we're gonna, we've got to start being grateful. We are the most blessed people in all the earth. Because we have the power of God on our side. But it's time to switch our thinking, revise it, and line it up with the Word of God. Father, we thank you so much that you have created us, that you have called us, you have blessed us to be a blessing to this world. And thank you for everything that you're declaring over us. Thank you that you say we are already clean. Thank you for the provision. Thank you for the protection. Thank you for being ever so patient with us. Thank you for always being faithful when we are not. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you that they're new every day. Thank you for our hardships. Thank you for the trials that we went through. Thank you for what you've taught us and you're teaching us even now. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for helping us overcome the, the things of the past. Thank you for helping me to create margin right now so that I can be patient with those around me. Thank you for helping me to create margin in my life so I can be patient with me. Thank you for quiet times. Thank you for stillness. Thank you for joy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my flat tire. Thank you for, for my, my car won't start. Thank you that you're better than that. Thank you that you're bigger than that. Thank you for, for lunch that's coming. Thank you for this 21-day fast that's coming. Thank you for, for, the, for healing me through externalizing my words and my journal. Thank you for, for such wisdom as books and your book, your good book. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for technology that I don't understand, but I will learn. Thank you for, for, thank you for helping me to be able to walk so I can exercise. Thank you for the outdoors because it gives me nourishment and it replenishes me. Thank you that it heals my mind. Thank you. Thank you. Whatever. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just thank you. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We want to be grateful people, Lord. We want to honor you. We're no longer slaves. 
We're no longer slaves. We're children of the Almighty. And we just thank you for that. We don't deserve that. Thank you. Father, I pray for grace for every individual. And I just pray for an amazing 20s. I pray for an amazing new year. And I just pray for recommitments, Lord, to life, to you. I pray for focus. I pray for blessing and abundance to just be released on every individual here. And I pray for favor, Lord. I pray for an empowerment of your spirit. And I pray that you strengthen them to walk this thing out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.